Hi, my name's Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On today's episode, I speak with Andy Tarshish of Tie Crafters. Here's what Betsy Bober Pallavi, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about this business. As someone who prides herself in her research and who has checked out every little nook and cranny on the side streets of Manhattan, I was thrilled with the discovery that I made on West 29th. It happened when I was chatting with the people at the American Bartender School, located on the fifth floor at number 252. They told me that I must find my way to the basement and meet Andy Tarshish. And of course I listened and headed straight downstairs to Thai Crafters. Over 5 million ties have passed through Andy's shop throughout the decades, and he has relished his relationship with three generations of customers. He loves when a young man comes in and tells him that it was his grandpa that recommended tie crafters. But they are not just a men's club. Women seek Andy out to care for their scarves, a business that continues to thrive. When the men in my family were looking through my dad's things shortly after he passed away, it was when they reached a selection of ties that each one took pause. What a collection. From Selka's, an extraordinary men's shop that had been on Park Avenue for decades, to Brooks Brothers Classics, my husband, my son, my brothers, and my nephew, each wanted at least one of their own. Even if they might never wear it, they appreciated the history behind these beautiful silk pieces of fabric and the extraordinary care that my dad took of his ties. And so it happened in September of 2019, when my husband was searching for the appropriate tie to wear to our son's wedding, he announced that the one that would work best with his suit was my dad's. One peek at it though, and I knew it was a bit too wide, but I told him not to worry, I knew exactly where to take it. Andy could not have been kinder, and within a few days, I presented my husband with a slimmer, perfect tie to wear on this special occasion. Ellie and I had a delightful conversation with Andy, and we learned quite a bit about the tie industry. I must say though, that my favorite line from Andy was when he emphatically stated that despite the fact that we are living in a world where the small businesses are struggling to remain afloat, he is a service business and that this is one place that an online mega store can never take over. So if I could please start by having you introduce yourself and tell me the name of your business. Andy Tarshish and the business is Tie Crafters. Could you please describe your space? And tell me, yeah, just tell me how big it is. We have, it's a broken up space. So we have 1,500 square feet for the main part of the room. And then another 800 square feet where we do certain other parts of the operation. So in total, it's about 2,000 square feet, which is very small. We, we get quite a bit of work done in a small How space. How many people total work for you? Seven. Could you describe the look of the space of the 2,000 square feet? <laughs> um, if you, the look is modern 1960s. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, it looks, our, our space is a time warp as some of our customers have said to, I mean, whether it's sixties, fifties or seventies, but it's a, it's a time warp to a time where actually you walked into a shop and work was actually done in the place that you're, it's not farmed out to some place, you know, whether it be, you know, 
whether it be Queens or New Jersey. It's not farmed out to someplace else. It, it's actually worked on in a, in a hands-on shop. And the look of the shop is clearly has not changed a lot over the last 20 years. Now, somewhat intentionally, I mean, clearly we could put up a lot of chrome and glass and, you know, nice counters, but I get more of a, it makes more of an impression on the customers who come in to feel that this is a place that does the work. And it's very, very rare. In, especially in New York City, but it's very rare to have a place that actually does the work where you're dropping it off. As I say, the, the proof has always been in the pudding. And I've always wanted to sort of put any additional expense into the staff as opposed to fixing up the place. Because I think that's who's going to get the to keep the revenue coming in as opposed to a good looking shop. And how long have you owned Typecrafters? Owned it for 37 years. And the business is 67 years old. Started in 1952. Can you tell me about the origin story of the business and how how it got started and by whom? A, A guy named Stuart, I forget his last name, felt there was a need for a specialty tie cleaner. Back back in the 50s, everybody wore a tie. I don't care if you were, you know, whatever your job was. You had to wear a tie. Everybody wore a tie. You went out for lunch somewhere, ties. Dinner, ties certainly. But regardless of the job, you put a shirt and tie on. So he felt that better neckwear would sort of demand a little better care Mm -hmm. and typically ties are not handled properly in sort of mainstream cleaners Mm -hmm. and this was back in the 50s and it still exists now which is why we still have somewhat of a thriving business Mm -hmm. taking ties and handling them properly could you speak more about the importance of ties as as a way to express yourself or to, you know, sure. up your style? Yeah. Yeah. Ties for guys, there is no there's almost no accessory. Women clearly have whether it's jewelry, scarves, pins, things to sort of pop something that has is somewhat mainstream or is somewhat everyday. So, what a tie does is it gives guys the ability to say today I'm going to wear a stripe which is way more conservative than a floral or I'm going to wear a pink tie today as opposed to my normal red or blue. So it gives men the ability to not just put on white shirt, blue shirt, generally a dark color suit Mm -hmm. Um, it gives them the chance to express a little bit of their personality and guys do it they love I mean some manufacturers will put little animals on a tie now these are senior executives and they're wearing little ties with bunny rabbits and that says something as opposed to as I say a regimental stripe or just a plain geometric 
So could you please speak more about what exactly you do here for the ties and for your clients? Sure. Like we were discussing, the first one, which is sort of our mainstream, is, is tie cleaning. So what we do in the shop is the majority of our work is either tie or scarf cleaning. It's the only two things that we clean in the, in the entire shop. So we are really experts at just one thing. I mean, it's sort of the epitome of specialization is always good. Well, this is really specialized. Um, the average tenure of my employees who are working on the ties is about 30 years. So these are real craftspeople who will take your tie, we spot it, we clean it, we'll reassemble, we'll disassemble if necessary to get the tie not only with the stain out and not having been harmed or pulling color from the fabric, which is one of the downsides of sometimes bringing it to other places, but it's gonna look like a tie is supposed to look. It's not gonna get pressed flat. It's not gonna be off center. It's gonna look like a tie is supposed to, it's not gonna look new because in many cases they're 25 years old. So it's <laughs> new is kind of right off the shelf, but it's gonna look really good again. Um, the other part of our operation is repair, alteration. And this is a true specialty um, because I don't think anybody else in the country will really specialize in this. Nobody specializes in the tie cleaning either, but the, our ability to take a tie and narrow it and shorten it, lengthen it, if it's worn on certain parts of the tie, we're gonna correct it and fix it. So you really have the ability to keep what's in your closet or in your wardrobe um, continue using it, which it's been a lot of years, but, and I say this, our environmental footprint is really good because everyone's discussing reusing. We will continue to allow somebody to keep what they use and what they own, and in many cases, what they treasure in their closet and uh, certainly wearable. Do you have people coming in bringing the same ties over and over again? Do you see the oh, same sure. ties coming in? There are through? guys who come in and they'll come in a week later and they'll say, oh, as soon as I wore it. Spilled something on it. Spilled coffee on exactly. it. <laughs> and it's, a, it's like a magnet for stains. It just, I think my guess is whenever they go out to a business or a personal, but a, out to dinner, because most guys take their tie off when they get home. So if it gets dirty from sort of food, it's, but it's their go-to tie when they want to impress. I see. So yes, do we see that a lot? Do we have guys who bring in ties that are way, I mean, their fathers, their grandfathers, incredibly sentimental. And we sometimes will tell people, you know, this is gonna be really tough to correct, but it has no bearing on their decision. They just do the best you can, they wanna, Ties are very often gifts, they're very easy. You know, it's a one size fits all. So if it was your dad's, even if you're totally a different size, the tie is probably usable. Whereas you realistically, you're not gonna use his pants or his jacket in many cases. Mm -hmm. But a tie gets, and scarves, certainly we get incredible amounts of women who will bring in, this was my mom's, this was my grandmother's, and they're, I mean, unreal vintage things and they want us to 
restore it for them. So it's a nice, you know, it's a good feeling too. And I'll say to them, you know, are you sure you want, sure you want to do this? You know, because it can cost you some money. It doesn't matter. Just, just fix it, which is nice. What is the price point typically sure. of what you're doing? Cleaning is fourteen fifty. Uh, it depends on how many you bring in, but roughly fourteen fifty if it's four ties or more. Alterations are thirty one. Alteration and clean is thirty seven. But there are times where, for example, if a guy wants his tie shortened and narrowed, a lot of dads will bring their ties for their son in and say, "This was my tie. I want to give it to my son." Can you shorten it and narrow it? It does become a double alteration charge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's a specific circumstance. Now, I do wonder also, um, walking in, I noticed that there isn't a lot of signage. There's no signage on the outside of the building, and then you get in, and there's there's a sign right right as you walk in the door, and Uh there's a sign when you come down the elevator. How do your customers find you, given that you are underground with very little signage Um, and Betsy mentioned that you you used to be what inspired the decision to go from a brick-and-mortar upstairs to be hidden down below sure the biggest decision on that was the expense of storefronts in Manhattan we I want to keep a Manhattan presence it's great people people come into the city they you'd be amazed i mean we'll have people who are say i'm in new york on business on pleasure and we end up on there i mean new york has eight zillion things that you want to do the last thing i would expect someone well we knew we were coming so we brought some ties with us that's a real compliment for a small business owner because there are way better things to do with your time, assuming it's somewhat limited, which it usually is, than stopping and wanting to take care of your ties with a particular company that in many cases you've never been to before. So um, as I, to backtrack, um, our stop, we had the storefront for 10 or 15 years. It was great. It was very nice. It was uh, might have been more of an ego boost. And where was the storefront? It was right upstairs. It was okay. Yeah, Same building. we had. It's now a theater. We had the storefront, and it was great. It was at a time when the the leases on this particular block were this is 20, 25 years ago were not that expensive. When it came time to renew, uh, rather than move, which is always not the most pleasant of things to do. Uh, rather than move, uh, we actually had, I apologize, we actually had both floors. We had the storefront and our equipment was in the basement. So rather than totally move, I said, you know what? I think we can. People don't walk by our shop as a rule and say, oh great, I have some dirty ties or In scars. my pocket. <laughs> Let's stop in. Yes, it gets some recognition. People see and say, oh, you know, file it sort of in the back of their head. But what has been in uh, the internet is like a blessing for a business like this because we used to, I used to advertise in regional, regional magazines, similar to New York Magazine. There's, there's one in Philadelphia, there's one in Dallas, there's one in San Francisco. So I would advertise, which is, which has become very expensive, whereas the internet allows somebody in Chicago or San Francisco to say, 
I have some dirty ties, I have some repairs, I want to narrow some ties, where do I send it? And they look us up and there really is nobody else that I keep, because I do Google us every day. And there's nobody else who really does this as a special. You'll get a dry cleaner or a tailor who says, yes, we do this. But they sort of, you know, it's not. It's, it's kind just, of a tack on. It, it is. It's not what their business is. And as I think we all know, we'd rather use somebody who specializes. Three quarters of our business is shipped to us. Wow. So that's the other reason, you know, and sort of backtracking, that's the other reason that a storefront for us is not critical because as I say literally I mean three quarters is shipped to us from around the country and now shipping is so easy once a week we get international business now we get things from England Canada I mean Singapore I'm just I always thought there were great tailors in some <laughs> of these cities you know London uh, Singapore you know great great tailors but people but they want send you. us their time they don't trust they don't know you know whatever the reason is our internet presence and we've been fortunate enough to have some really positive uh sort of press lend credibility because if you think about it if you send five or six ties that could be anywhere from two thousand dollars to you know five hundred but it's a lot of money to send it to somebody who's, yeah, do they have a real business or is am I sending it to some place, you know, that doesn't know what they're doing? Right. So, But because of the, the press that you've gotten and the, the exactly. presence, you're, people trust you, you have I, the reputation. I think they do. And we, 67 years is hard to not do something right. It's really tough to be in business for that long and not be continuing to sort of take what we do pretty seriously and we do it's interesting when customers do come in they're like whoa this is a, a this is like a flashback to the 50s or 60s i mean you've been in the shop it's there's very very few places that provide a service there are restaurants that you know go for sort of the older look but it's designed that way this is real other than computers which we do have the work is done the same as it was it's all hand work there's nothing revolutionary in the equipment that we use i mean scissors are the same scissors from 60 years ago sewing hand sewing is the same so and the ironing board the a hundred percent it's exactly there's no technology that has enhanced our ability to do the work but i think if it did it would hurt it hurt the quality don't you have some pieces of equipment that are no longer made no we have to make we we have uh if you can picture irons get fairly heavy so if you're working on with a hand iron i mean it's at least five to seven pounds if you're working with that a lot a lot of your day we have springs and rods above the board that allow no pressure in your hand you just push back and forth these are things that were started it wasn't my invention but these are things that people 50 60 100 years ago needed to figure out some way to keep an iron in your hand from 
more than you know a half hour without it because if your hand drops you're gonna hurt the fabric steam is okay for silk but a hot iron is gonna damage it so we do have some equipment that has just been modified not invented but modified to help I'm curious given that so much of your business comes from elsewhere you mentioned that it's important to you to maintain a New York City presence mm -hmm. why is that well another part of our business is we do custom neckwear the custom neckwear is used it's used by individuals certainly but we do a lot of entertainment Broadway movies we just finished up something for the Madonna tour. We just did something else for uh, a new Je uh, Jennifer Lopez movie. So the costumers are very often in New York and that allows them, as opposed, we get work that's shipped to us from California, you know, for a movie that's being made out there. But there's, there's this certainly a rush of time where they don't want to take a chance they need to explain something very clearly they want to make sure that there's some look in my eye that says I get what you're saying because we don't have a chance to redo it as opposed to an email that says please do this and then costumers work is sometimes very sort of specific and intricate in that they'll use different sides of fabrics They'll want certain parts of the fabric cut to show on the scarf or the tie. So there, the, our connection with them bringing it over is somewhat helpful. I mean, I guess it, it, it may not, it doesn't have to be. I still think that the New York City address adds an element of longevity of continuity that we didn't just take the I mean take the business so to speak and move it someplace else that there uh, it started in New York and it's still in New York and I think that adds a little again a little bit of con uh, credibility mm -hmm. to our to our work in keeping with the different kinds of customers that you have uh, I know that you do a lot of work with companies where, for instance, if it's a holiday gift and you do a thousand of one, uh -huh. so I thought that was yeah. fun to yeah. speak to, yeah. particularly right. one fun story. Yeah, this was a very cool. I mean, I still crack up. I shouldn't say crack up. I still laugh about it. We do corporate or club neckwear. That's another part of our business. And someone had come in and they needed, as I said, I think it was it was quite a few ties. It was about a thousand ties. It was just, as far as I was concerned, for the launch of a product. And it was a pharmaceutical company, Pfizer, actually. Um, launch of a product, great, sounds good. Did the tie, had no idea what this little blue pill was. So we, you know, I left a sample up in our shop because we leave sample we've done things for the stock exchange we've done things for radio city for uh, lincoln center and they're you know very nice pieces and it gives somebody an idea what we can do also one of these ties was up there. not a clue because this this stuff happens years before the launch of the actual product a customer came in and said oh and i was he was looking he goes oh you did the ties for viagra and it was this little blue pill, which I, I at the time, 
no idea what it was and it was just so yeah it was, it's <laughs> kind of a kind of an interesting story so those ties that. are just out there now they're out for, as samples yeah oh the ties for yeah. the yeah but this was several years ago yeah. when they first were launching the product but it was hysterical because i looked at the customer i said yeah we did this for pfizer he goes do you, you know do you know what that is <laughs> and he goes it's he just, explains. Yeah, it's, it's exactly. <laughs> so yeah. So corp this this corporate uh, or sort of logo or club neckwear is something that we do all the time, and it comes out really well. Something that I want to take you back now. Your history. I know your story, but I would love for others to hear your story and how this came about. Because something that we always like to address with business owners is what motivated you to get started, and would you suggest this to somebody else? Mm-hmm. I was working at Bloomingdale's, nothing to do with ties or men's accessories even. Working at Bloomingdale's, wanted to start my own business, looked into a few different possibilities. How old were you? Uh, I would say 20, 20s, 20, 27, 28. So quite a few years ago. And the owner of this business put an ad in the paper that said, uh, owner looking to semi-retire service business. No clue. Called him up. Okay, you know, what kind of, and he said, now, I'm a young guy back then, you know, in my 20s, you know, tie cleaning, tie care, like, why would anybody need something like that? I was a young guy. I mean, I would get a tie for you know, $10, $15. Why would you, and probably in my 20s, I just, if it got dirty, I wouldn't use it, you know. It's get a new tie. One. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so at any rate, talked to him, interviewed, so to speak. It worked out. I became his manager. That was what I was hired. My background at Bloomingdale's made sense that I would be managing his business. He was getting older obviously looking to retire. I worked with him for about a year and we did a a buyout where he said, okay, you know, here's the price, here's the terms. And I bought the business and he retired. And that's 37 years later, it's still going. Wow. So it worked out. What makes it rewarding for you? What makes you want to come to work every day? that we've achieved in our very, very little niche. It's the really the best at doing one particular thing. I mean, running the business is great. I, I enjoy it. It's not an exciting business. It's not like being in the media or you know, being a sports star or probably even running a really good restaurant. It just has, those things seem to have a lot more glamour. But we in our sort of, our, this little niche that we've, we've created or sort of continued. As I say, when I hear people stop in from Iowa or Idaho because they have ties or they ship them to us from around the world, I mean, you don't have to do this. And so if we've achieved that level of sort of the quality of our work has hit a point where people are willing to go out of their way to use us. That's unreal. Great, great feeling. My husband is a banker, and he used to wear a dark suit, white shirt, very traditional tie every day, as did my dad. 
but now it, it, a few years ago it was on Fridays you didn't and now you never do unless mm -hmm. you're going to some special meeting uh -huh. and I'm wondering how this in the corporate world has affected you and if you're seeing less people come in with stained ties mm -hmm. for instance. Great question. Definitely has decreased the number of ties that are coming into the shop. The saving grace for us is that the cost of neckwear has skyrocketed. So yes, as we said before, everybody used to wear a tie. As your husband's field, finance, by the way, is our single biggest profile, finance and law, are still our single biggest profile. They're the last to go. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And there are brands that are just almost part of a uniform for those kind of industries. Um, so that being said, casual Friday, casual Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, not a problem for us. If we were a bigger company, it could have created some issues. However, because the price of the neckwear that these guys are wearing has tripled, quadrupled. If something is a problem, they might have said, hey, you know what, I'll get rid of it. I'll just get another one. But if someone is spending, I don't care if you're spending $80 or $200 on a tie and $400 on a scarf or $100 on a scarf, if it is stained too wide too narrow too long too short you're gonna want to take care of it there's no longer this sort of mindset that'll say yeah you know what it's not a big deal so we lose the the frequency of their use but we pick up on the fact and the from everything i read statistically high-end neckwear sales are still fairly strong when they say that neckwear has you know been cut in thirds or a quarter of what it used to be that's all neckwear so sort of ten dollar fifteen dollar neckwear yeah that's taken about an 80 percent hit high-end neckwear is still fairly strong because if you're gonna buy two ties a year i don't care if you working in your 20s or you're working in your 50s you, you say hold it you know I don't need 10 ties I'm gonna get myself a really nice tie and when that needs work you're gonna actually search out instead of saying oh well it's not that expensive I'll bring it to my local guy you're gonna search out who can do this and keep the integrity of a $200 tie so yeah, we're, we're very fortunate. The other, and I mentioned this before, people's mindset is sort of moving or shifting more towards, let me keep what I own. And that's been great. I think I saw something where there are stores that are doing sort of, I don't know if you call it vintage or, you know, secondhand consignment shops. The, I mean, eBay certainly yeah. is the big elephant in that one. But these this people are looking to to keep using what they have whether it's as i say an environmental issue or just a finance money issue rather spend 37 dollars to fix a good tie than buy a new one mm -hmm. so yes less 100 percent less people wearing them 
but there, there still is a need to take care of them. We have instances where the, the need for our service has become extremely <laughs> important. Um, a, real, a real interesting one is we have a customer who's, he's worn the same tie to each of his daughter's three weddings. Only this last one was in Bermuda. He realized, and he literally called me up. He's a, clearly a very successful guy. Called me up and said, I have to wear this tie. I said, no problem, drop it off. He goes, well, I'm in Bermuda, you know, for the wedding. No problem, Andy, I'll have it to you. You just gotta turn it around the next day, you know, or two days, whatever it was. He has the tie flown in now maybe somebody was coming to New York, but the tie was flown from, he was in Bermuda with the tie when he realized it. He flew the tie in, we did the work, he had somebody come to the shop, pick it up, fly it back. He calls me back, you know, someday before the wedding and says, thank you very much. And he needed to wear that tie because he had worn it to his other two daughters' weddings and there was no way he wasn't gonna continue what was wrong with it what just was dirty that? he had stain on it and he didn't realize it i mean when he packed it up and mm-hmm. someone else packed it for him and he just he needed to have it oh, non-stop with drivers coming by for some re- i mean these are people i read about whether it's the wall street journal or you know hollywood today or you know whatever that is there are just there are times where the tie is the critical or one of the critical parts to this person's wardrobe. And we've, we will have literally times where guys will call, sometimes they can't get a parking spot, so you'll run upstairs. And I mean, whether it's limousines or just really incredible guys sending their driver with some real fancy cars to pick up and drop off ties for them. That's great. You've been at this for 37 years. You've continued to make it an incredibly successful business. Uh, does it ever enter your mind that maybe someone else should step in? I should train new people. The women who I've met who are so lovely, they've been with you close to 40 years. What happens if they want to retire? So just interested in the future. In terms of the people who work here, there the beauty of working in a shop like this is that and it's already started in certain cases i am agreeable to if you want to start slowing down most people don't want to stop sort of cold turkey i mean if there's a health issue certainly uh, that's understandable but beauty of a small business is if someone who's been here for 30, 35 years, 40 years says to me, Andy, you know what? I think two days a week is enough for me or three days a week is enough for me. It's fine. That's the uh, a big benefit of being in a small business. I have already started to develop certain cross skills amongst people who are thinking of retiring and asking some other people who are currently working here to please start learning some of these other skills, which they didn't have to because there was a full-time person doing it. 
as I say, this cross training is really critical. And so someone before it's time to jump in sort of to the deep end and do the work for our customers gets to learn and practice on practice ties as opposed to needing somebody because the skills that we're using here are probably not easily replaceable. Um, in terms of me retiring, I'm not sure yet. I really, uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the retirement, if there's an age or just a feel for me saying, you know what, it's time. So I'm not sure what the next step for the business or for me is. All I know is for the next four or five years, I would like to continue. So we always like to ask the businesses that we speak to if there's anything about you, what you do, about your business that you want people to know that you feel they don't already know. A pretty simple message. It's we do a couple of things and we do them really well. In terms of a gap in our if you need ties to be worked on by somebody who has seen literally we I estimate it used to be 4 million. It's almost 5 million ties have passed through our shop. And of the people working here, about 3 million have been handled by them over the 30, 35 years. So is there something that I would like someone to know? Yeah, if you're looking to do just our two things, can't do much else well but we can take care of your tar uh, scarves and ties exceptionally well and it is the priority in our shop so if you feel like spending a half hour and this does happen talk about I mean that's a good funny story we'll have guys who will send us 20 ties and we'll literally write down four inches from the left side soup stain three in next tie and the lit it's pages of exactly where and what they'll oh this was a bernays sauce from and they'll name these really great <laughs> restaurants i said well i guess it was worth it it just added a little right you know a little cost to your meal or on the telephone or in person they want to they if if a customer has made the effort to bring his ties to our shop very rarely do they want in and out. They will sit there and discuss the ties they want done. They want how, explain to me, how are you, if it's a first time customer, how do you got, and you, so, I, I'm sorry, you because these are guys who I would think want to get out of here. You know, you've got to get back to work or do something fun. But They'll come in and they'll want to hear about the show. People want to take a little tour. Hey, I've heard about you guys. Can I see what's, how you do all this stuff? The other part is shortening ties, which I didn't mention. Shortening ties is now, I mean, now, right now we're narrowing more ties than anything because tie styles have gone from wide to narrow. But shortening ties, you know, as I mentioned, ties are a one size fits all, but it's the only garment in the entire universe of clothing that's one size. Socks 
different sizes, certainly shirts and pants, everything, but ties are one size, and there's a lot of guys who are on the shorter side, and they don't know what to do. So again, when you said to me, well, are ties becoming, you know, there are less guys wearing them, and that I didn't mention, yeah, but wouldn't it be great, even if you bought new ties, to be able to wear it so that it doesn't come down to your knee? And there's a lot of guys who are just, who have no idea what to do. What about the really tall guy? We lengthen. We can lengthen ties. You take a piece of, uh, if it's a red tie, under the collar. Ties have two or three parts. There are either two seams or one seam, depends on who made it. And they're under your collar. And if a guy wants five inches longer to his tie, we'll take a red piece of silk if it's a red print. It's not the same fabric, but nobody's gonna see it because it's under your collar. So we will take, and if they love Hermes, or they love Ferragamo, whatever brand, um, but they're six foot five, or they're very heavy. Some guys have, because ties are not how tall you are. Ties are just neck and torso. So if you have a really big neck, you might not, you might be six foot, but you need but the tie's gonna come up to your, you know, middle of your chest. And of course that looks kind of silly. Or the small end of the tie sort of dangles two inches below the knot. Just looks a little, doesn't look as professional as most guys want to look if they're putting on a nice tie. That's really clever to take it from the neck. Yeah, that was great. That was Thank, so you. Thank you. So nice. So <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. My name is Ellie, and this has been a podcast by Manhattan Sideways. If you're interested in learning more about this business or about the thousands of other small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, be sure to check out our website, www.sideways.nyc, and follow us on social media, at NY Sideways. See you next time.